Hello and welcome back to the Hampson on Hockey podcast, as always presented by ChasingThePuck.com, uh, your home for UK hockey news, views and opinions. A little bit later releasing this episode, being a bit of a busy week, was going to record this Friday night, but I had a uh, team night out in work, so when I got home, I uh, didn't really feel like doing uh, a podcast, and also I was really, really tired, so uh, that's the reason why this is recorded on Saturday afternoon, so it gave you a bit, of, bit more time to get some of your questions in, and we'll get to them at the end of the episode, there is quite a few and quite some uh, some quite decent questions as well, so we'll get to them. Also today we do have an interview, which I'll get into a little bit more later on. Obviously, if you've read the title of this episode, you'll know exactly who the interview subject is. A really good conversation with him, so I'll get, like I said, I'll get into that a little bit later on. Obviously, I think I said last episode or maybe the episode before, until the end of this season, we are going to focus uh, on the card of Devils, as I have been throughout the start of this podcast. Uh, when it goes into May, obviously, we're going to look at Team GB, World Championships, maybe take a couple of months off. Um, and do maybe one or two episodes, uh, July, June, August time, uh, and then start again next season, hopefully uh, be looking at uh, covering a bit more of the league, British hockey in general, uh, time permitting, obviously, so we'll see exactly where this goes, but like I said, it is going to be focusing on the Cardiff Devils for the next couple of uh, weeks now, because there's, uh, well, there's less than a month left of the season. In fact, I think there's about a month left of the season, then playoffs, obviously. But until then, it's going to be focusing on the Devils and the Devils this weekend. Tough road trip tonight to the Nottingham Panthers, then at home tomorrow against the Dundee Stars. Um, at this point in the season, there's not really much point going into, you know, oh, how does this team play? We know by now. We've played these teams often enough. You kind of know exactly how they're going to set up, what their style is about. Um, so obviously tonight... Big test against Nottingham. They uh, dropped points last weekend, zero-point weekend for a team that is still considered to be an informed team and one that is really, really uh, searching to end the season on a high. Obviously, they had, was it seven games in a row they lost in around September, October time? And then to be fourth place right now, but looking to finish third, looking to put pressure on to finish uh, top two as well, if they can. I think with the... um, with last weekend's losses to, I think it was Sheffield and Guildford, uh, it's league title may, may have slipped away last weekend to them, so it, it does look as though it's coming down to a two-horse race between Sheffield and Cardiff right now. But, you know, the, the Panthers, they're going to be looking to capitalise on any slip-up. They absolutely can. And what better way to start that with a two-point win against a team you're chasing in Cardiff. So the Devils, it's going to be a very, very tough night for them. Not going to play fast. They play physical. Great goal to ending in Kevin Carr. Jackson Whistle as well as a solid backup. Um, so uh, I think for the Devils, it's going to be a tough one, especially without Stephen Dixon, which I'll get into a little bit later on. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of firepower, a lot of physicality, solid defense. And I think that the way that they've been uh, over the last couple of months now, Tim Wallace has really thrown his name into the potential to be coach of the year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a few votes. In fact, I don't actually know how they decide that. Is it a vote? That might be a question uh, to ask around playoff again. But yeah, so I think Tim Wallace is going to be up there for uh, potentially um, coach of the year. And tonight, the Devils and Panthers, they've had some good battles this year. Obviously, they had the Challenge Cup semi-final decided by just one goal uh, and basically decided in about a five-minute spell as well in the second leg. So... The Devils are going to try and uh, keep this going now. They had a, a good run uh, over the last couple of weeks. They're going to try and make sure they can pick up two points just to, you know, see if Sheffield slip. That's all it's going to take right now for the Devils is Sheffield slip and Devils don't. They're top of the league. That's all it is. Uh, they still got those games in hand, but all they need to do is just get one win more than the Steelers. So if Steelers lose tonight or lose tomorrow maybe and the Devils win, 
Devils are top of the league, and that's what exactly where they're going to want to stay. But they are still under a lot of pressure. There is no no easy games in this league anymore, especially this time of year as well. You look at it tonight, you're going up against a team who really wants to try and keep their player, uh, not their players, their title challenges alive. Uh, but tomorrow night, Dundee, that's a playoff, that's a playoff uh, battle for them. They're trying to make sure that they can take 8th, 7th uh, spot and make sure that they are in the postseason. And they are a very, very exciting team. I like what Omar Pasha has done there. Obviously, a uh, bit of a shorter bench than most teams. And they do play a really, really good style of hockey. I, I, I do like it whenever they come uh, come down and play. Omar Pasha is a really nice guy as well to deal with. Um, if you look at them, high offensive uh, power as well with guys like Kevin Dufour, Anthony Beauregard, Matt Marquard, really strong physical guy who can also play with a lot of skill. So he's going to be looking to cause a lot of issues. Uh, but I think for the Devils, it's a, there's a couple of defensive gaps in the Dundee lineup that I would say. I think Alex Leclerc can be uh, a bit suspect at times, but uh, other times he can be very, very good in net. So it, the Devils just play a solid 60 minutes, all those cliche words as well, and just try and capitalize on that and hopefully get another four-point week uh, out of it. So that's just a bit about what the games are going to be this weekend. There's a couple of uh, points we have to talk about before we get to... Uh, the interview. So obviously I mentioned earlier Stephen Dixon uh, out tonight. Second game of his suspension for checking from behind on Ian Waters of the Guildford Flames. Uh, absolutely spot on call. Um, I thought straight away two, maybe three. I think now, obviously I, I don't know for definite um, and I'm probably wrong about this, but I, I think that would have been three if Ian Waters hadn't returned. Um he returned, played very, very well. Didn't look so he felt L any ill effects. Got credit on the second goal of the game for Guildford as well. So, um, no, he, he's, he's, he's fine, Ian Waters. But you could see straight away, as soon as Dixon makes that hit, that check, on, check from behind, you can see straight away he knows he's gone. And I think he knew straight away, yeah, that's more than just the rest of this game I'm sitting out. Um, it's, it's a frustrating one because... It's uncharacteristic of him. He plays physical. He plays on on the edge sometimes. That was just over the line. Um, that was... It, it's not even like you could say, oh, well, Waters adjusted his body position. Dixon didn't really have that much time. The numbers were showing the entire time. It was not a good hit at all. Um, so, unfortunately, the Devils, they're going to be without him. Uh, Dops making an absolute right call on that one. Uh, glad that Ian Waters is okay. And losing Dixon tonight in a really, really tough battle against the Nottingham Panthers, you're losing possibly your best face-off guy, one of the best uh, face-off guys in the league as well. So that is going to be um, a tough one. But just go back to a little bit on the hit as well, just thinking about it. It was, the, I think the reason why it was so frustrating is all he has to do is play the boards, take one step to the left. Stop his momentum from being able to turn up ice. All he, his only option then is to play it back to his defense. They had a guy down low as well who could have carried on the forecheck. They could have forced a turnover in that way. Instead, just drills him into the board's head first. Um, that's usually going to get you a suspension. And it did, so fair enough. Um, next one, Mark Lewis has actually been out, I think, for the last two, maybe three games now. Um, I Obviously, I'm, I'm recording this uh, a little while before face-off, so I don't, haven't seen the lineup, so I don't know for definite what's going to be happening. I would imagine Lewis maybe returns tonight. I think you kind of need a guy like him against a team like the Nottingham Panthers. Uh, they play very, very physical. They crash the net hard. You need a physical presence on the back end like uh, Mark Lewis. Obviously, Bryce Reddick has come in to replace him in those games. I'm not saying that Reddick wouldn't be up to the challenge physically. He definitely would be. I think. Uh, I don't think Bryce Reddick really knows how small he is in comparison to other players. He plays as though he's 6'4". 
Um, but I think Lewis is the type of guy that you put out there just to kind of set the tone physically, just to be that intimidation factor as well. Um, so I, I would probably expect him to ice tonight, but who knows? I'm not Andrew Lord, I'm not the coach, and Andrew Lord has won many, many trophies, so I'm sure Devils fans are glad that I'm not the coach. And Andrew Lord is, because he's a very successful man. Uh, last point before we get to the interview is, tomorrow night, 4pm face-off, kids' night as well. Uh, interesting thing for the Devils to do, I thought, uh, just to ha- host a kids' night, as far as I'm aware. I, I don't know too much about it, but as far as I'm aware, that there's going to be kids taking over some of the day-to-day roles, in a sense. Uh, so, I think there's going to be one who's doing the announcements, I don't know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but, you know, for me, I think this is a really good idea, because you... You talk all the time about junior devils or like junior players in your system who be in the future of your club. You also kind of need future employees of the club, future fans of the club. It's not just future players on the ice. So I think it's a good way to get the kids involved, feel a bit more part of the uh, of the actual match night experience. It's going to keep them coming. They, they're going to want to come back every uh, season and maybe do this if this turns into an annual event, but who knows. I know that the corporate uh, thing they mentioned the other week... Um, I think they're doing a bit more with school visits, um, education, health, and bullying campaigns as well next season. So I imagine there's a, a, a fair bit of focus on youth uh, next season, which is, a, which is a good thing for the Devils to focus on. Um, and obviously as well, it's a 4pm face-off, which when the Devils announced they were doing 4pm face-offs, it was intended to annoy the fan base. Obviously that is sarcasm, um, as you probably can't tell because I have a very weird voice. But yeah, the 4 p.m. face-offs, they weren't, they weren't intended to annoy the fan base. They were intended to bring families to the games and try and, you know, in one sense, get more cash into the building by bringing families and making it a sellout on a Sunday early face-off. Everyone gets to go home a bit earlier. Um, and, you know, what if you're going to try and atta- attract families at a 4 p.m. face-off, why not give the kids something to do? And so to me, I think this is a really good uh, idea from the Devils. So we'll see how it goes. It's certainly a better idea than the dog racing. Um, so we'll, we'll see how the, how it goes. I'm excited for tomorrow, tomorrow's game. I think against Dundee, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good atmosphere as well in the building, especially with the Challenge Cup final looming, which we'll discuss a lot more next week. Um, but yeah, so that should be, uh, should be a good one. Um, we're going to throw it now to the interview. Obviously, if you've read the, uh, the title or whatever of this podcast, you'll know that uh, today's guest is Mark Cuddy of the Cardiff Fire. Uh, I've known Cuds for a couple of seasons now. I, I started my commentary career with the Cardiff Fire uh, three seasons ago now. Um, the year before, I was helping out with a bit of photography, a bit of media work for the Cardiff Fire as well. So uh, a lot of um, a lot of love for that team from me personally. So <laughs> I'm I wanted to give them a bit of airtime, give them a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of exposure because I think one thing that's good is you're seeing a lot more Devils fans go to their games right now. And I think, uh, yeah, we touch on that a little bit in this interview. It's a, it's a really interesting one. It's about 20 minutes long. So I uh, hope you do enjoy it. One thing I will point out is uh, we were meant to film this interview, but Charlie uh, Skinner, who was going to come down and film it, who he does a lot of media work for the, the Cardiff Fire. He works with us on Ice Time as well. Great guy. Really, really talented guy as well. Um, but not so talented at keeping his car on the road. Uh, his car broke down not too far from the, the uh, rink. So uh, we didn't actually get to film the interview and use his really good uh, equipment to get a good audio recording. So instead, we actually had to record this on my phone. Um, so unfortunately, there's a little bit of noise in the background because we did it in... We did it where we usually do the post-game interviews for the Cardiff Devils games. And in that room, anyone who's been in that room, they know there's a real... 
I think it's like a servo. I don't even know. It's it's some sort of electrics that makes like a whirring noise. So there is a little bit of that in the background. So hopefully it doesn't distract you too much. Uh, it is a good interview though. Cuds is a really, really great guy. So glad to give him a bit of uh, uh, time on, on the podcast. And also it's good to as well to showcase some of the lower talent. Uh, not lower talent, lower league, sorry. Um, to make sure that they're getting their exposure. Because what they're trying to do at the Cardiff Fire and other teams around uh, the UK is give kids a platform to develop their game and hopefully continue uh, British growth in the game. So hopefully you enjoy it. Wanted to give you guys a bit more of an interview as well so you're not just sat listening to me. Hope you enjoy it. This is my interview with Mark Cudahy. I think I'm saying his name right anyway. Okay, so obviously a lot of people are going to know a lot about the Devils and all that, but maybe not so much about the fire and yourself. So how did you personally get into hockey? Um, well, I started playing, um, I was nine or ten in the old rink in town. Um, and it opens, on the opening day, a couple of uh, my mates went into town, a couple of older mates of mine. Um, and I went along with them, um, and I shouldn't have. I was, wasn't allowed past a certain point where I lived and I ended up jumping on a bus and going skating with a couple of mates and then uh, John Lawless was um, stood on the side of the, the boards and calling people over, like young kids, asking them if they were interested in hockey, um, showed us a little video and then I had to go home and explain to my mum where I'd been and ask her for a grand <laughs> for some hockey kit. <laughs> And you mentioned to me earlier on about you went over to Colorado for a little bit. So yeah. how, how did your career from junior up to higher levels go? I, I retired quite early due, due to work. Um, but then I, I had eight years off. Um, I was still involved in a little bit of coaching. Uh, I had eight years off playing and I had some kind of midlife crisis when I was 30 and came back. Uh, I played for three years then in Cardiff. Um, and then I became the player coach. Um, of the ENL team as it was then in, in Division 1 um, and I struggled to do both and I take my hat off to anyone who does it because it's, it's really difficult to, to try and do both um, so I just I think for a season and a half I'd play the first period and bench myself and in the end just stopped dressing and then just went into full time coaching then in 2015, Cardiff Fire form, how does that come about? Uh, um, well, with everything that was going on with the Devils and the ownership at the time, um, it was just more and more things that were coming out and that, you know, that we just wanted to... The, the club was in my name anyway, the NIHL, because um, uh, Paul Reagan didn't want to fund it anymore, so... Uh, I took it on uh, probably about two years before, and then we, we it was just a name change then to be honest, but obviously there was a bit of bit of politics around that and stuff which uh, we don 't really talk about it anymore it 's just gone you know it's, days are gone now um, obviously with the fire there 's been yeah. some high moments, some low moments as well looking back to the first two years, a lot of yeah. success yeah. two league titles in a row. How was those times for you? It was great because I did it with my mates, you know, guys that I'd played with, guys that I'd coached for like 10 years. Um, and <clears throat> that's what was so nice about it. And the fact that, you know, we didn't have um, an ice time agreement with Planet Ice, but we had one with Ice Arena Wales. Um, so we played all of our games on the road until February, which was really tough. Um, 
and then we obviously we 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 played the first game at Ice Arena Wales, and um, yeah, and it's it's been great ever since then. And then the, the second one was uh, was decent as well. You know, we we had we went all season undefeated, um, and that's when. Uh, we, we did apply to go straight into Division One, but they they wouldn't let us. Um, and then we we won Division Two, and uh, there was some restructuring, so we weren't offered a promotion. So it's quite disappointing. So we knew we were a Division One club, even from the first year. Um, but we, <clears throat> yeah, we it was good fun to do it, and it, it wasn't many games as well. So it was quite it was quite nice to ease ourselves back into it I suppose and then looking at some of the players who were, were involved in the club early on you had guys who played in the elite league for yeah. example Jason Stone Tim yeah. Burrows then other veteran guys um, from <clears throat> just years past from other clubs how did that team all come together just a, a lot of phone calls really it's um, like obviously I've, I've known like Stoney since I was 10 um, I've known you know, guys like Sam Smith, Tim Burrows I brought here from Telford when we were the ENL Devils team. Uh, and then Tim went on to, to play for the Devils. Um, then I think he went, he went back to, he went to Basingstoke, then Telford, uh, and he was going to retire and I rang him up um, and he'd just actually taken a job in Bristol. So it worked out quite well. So we signed him up pretty quickly. Um, and it was the same with Sam Smith. He was at Swindon. He was, he was thinking about jacking it in because um, he, he, you know, he's he got work outside of hockey as well um, and it just the schedule suited him to come to us rather than retire so we got Sam had another year here so it was good and then obviously <coughs> after two years a tough year um, the year I actually covered you on commentary um, yeah. with uh, a, a tough season a lot of struggle struggles for games but how much did that help mould the team now that one season going into the following two does really almost changed the identity of the club a little bit. Yeah, it has. Um, the The problem we were faced with is that having won Division 2 two years in a row, uh, I didn't feel like we could stay down. Even though the league was going to be better, I felt we had deserved our promotion, so we accepted the promotion. Um, we spoke with a number of the players um, that, were, that we'd already asked to come back, um, and they all wanted to go for it. So... Um, then we started talking to guys like Callum Buglass and, and whatnot. And um, yeah, I think as a, in terms of what that did for us, I think a lot of those younger players wouldn't have got the chance to play in that league. So <clears throat> they developed and learned, even though it was a hard, hard year for us. Um, and we, looking back on it, we probably shouldn't, shouldn't have done it. Um, but I don't regret it due to the fact that everybody there learned. Um, you know, and we did... If anything, it was worth it just to get that overtime game with Swindon at the end. You know that was great. You know you think what they spend and you know compared to us, and uh, <clears throat> they'd beat us, beaten us fifteen one on the roads when we had um, GB twenties uh, was going on. So we had no Law Day. Um, we had uh, I think Buglass was injured. There was a couple of injuries, <clears throat> and um, then we uh, yeah we did get pumped, and then. Uh, their their standing coach for the night made some quite unsavoury comments about us, um, and the boys just got pumped. And it, it's probably one of the best games I've been involved with, to be honest. Is that that uh, that game there? So, I think looking back on it, it's all good memories, that, you know. And I think um, in terms of development, I think a lot of the guys 
could see what they need to do to play at that level. Um, and it, it refocused them, and it also some some obviously realised that it's, it wasn't for them uh, and retired. So it it was a good thing to do, but we probably shouldn't have done it. <laughs> I think touching back as well, you mentioned that Swindon overtime. If I remember rightly, that was wasn't it the night before overtime with in Victor as well? It was, was yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, a good double header down here. So I think that was probably the, the standout moment from that season. But like you said there with um, some guys retiring, a lot of young guys coming in, it seems to me there's more focus on younger talent now with the club. If you look at the uh, first year, I think the average age is about 29, now it's yeah. about 22. Is that yeah. something that happened just coincidentally or is that uh, something that you decided to change going forward to try and help youth development? It, yeah, it was planned um, purely because we've got um, a talent gap in Cardiff now. So we were looking at <clears throat> guys coming up and they weren't division one ready so what we did was create the division two team as well as a division one team and then um we've used that as a tool really so we're getting the guys on the ice kind of three to five times a week depending on the schedule and working with them and trying to get them so that they're at least d2 ready um and to be honest, a couple of those have, have actually stepped up and played some D1 games, and they're probably knocking on the door now for D1. Um, <clears throat> but you're right; like our our average age for the um, the first two years was was quite different, um, purely because we we wanted to win that league, so we just signed the best players we could to win that league. Um, it wasn't really a development team then; it was just purely down to try and to try and win it. Um, whereas now, now we're in D1, you know, it's going to take a lot of time for us to get back up to where we were, which was, you know, coming second, third, fourth in D1. Um, so looking at it, the only way to do it was kind of like a five-year project um, and just bring kids in from 16. I mean, our oldest player is 28, second oldest to that is 26, and then they're all 24 and under um, with with three of them being 16, 17 years old, you know. So um, we've got, looking at the, the juniors that we've got now, we think that in about three years' time, we're going to have an influx of guys coming through if they keep developing the way they are, kind of similarly to what we were used to with you, like so Ben Davis, Callum Buglass, Owen Griffiths, all of these guys. <clears throat> so we're trying to do something now with these like teenagers just to get them over the next couple of years to get them properly ready for the league and then bring the the young talent straight in uh to the team then literally when they're 16 years old um you mentioned that like obviously owen griffiths ben davis callum buglass going back as well jonathan phillips captain of sheffield and gb yeah. matthew myers <clears throat> with you guys having the, the fire two team giving the youngsters a chance sam martin as well running his camp yeah. trevor hendricks is cardiff going to start seeing a lot more talent coming through to play at a high level now uh, it has to really because otherwise teams like Cardiff Fire won't exist um, and if that doesn't exist then you know I don't know where the next Welsh Devils are coming from you know because you know Matthew's not um, getting any younger and he's the only Welsh player there so it'd be nice really to get a couple of guys up um, and that's what we're trying to do really is try and push guys on um, and make it such a development setup that guys want to come here and they want to develop and want to try and move on and, and get up the leagues. Um, but we haven't had players like that coming out of the juniors for a long time now. Um, you know, like Joe Morris, who plays for us now, you know, there's, 
Carter Lloyd obviously has come out of juniors. Um, but whereas we used to get, um, we, we'd get to a point where we'd lose six or seven guys, maybe one or two would go to the Devils, five would go play um, EPL as it was then. Um, but it never panicked us because we knew we had six guys that were knocking on the door of GB under 18s in our junior programme. Um, or at the very least, you know, kind of England level. So we've always had that talent here. But f for the last kind of five years, instead of getting three, four, five, six guys coming out of juniors, we're just getting one every now and then. And, you know, like last year, obviously, we've got Carter out. This year, we've, we've started bringing a couple of them up now to play Fire 2 games where we can. Um, and one of the under-18s, so, well, apart from Christoph, who, who, who plays for us full-time, um, we've had one of the under 18s play he had a 30 second shift for us um, just because his attitude's been right um, all the way through since he's been training with us so we, we gave him that little opportunity and hopefully now that gives him a bit of fire in his belly to try and get some more and then obviously it's not just here as well you've got a couple of guys from the Swindon system Jay yeah. Warren and uh, Reed Sayers, who are both doing fantastic as youngsters in this uh, team. Yeah. How important have they been to the success this season? Really important because they're, um, we, we had a few players that we'd signed at the start of the year get offered you know, different leagues and things, which we were quite disappointed with, but you've got to respect the fact they want to go and play at different levels. Um, so, and then we had a couple of guys retire as well, so we, we knew we were going to be um, short of bodies. Um, Reed was someone I've spoken to now. Uh, I spoke to him last summer. I spoke to him uh, the summer just gone um, to try and get him here. He's always been on the radar with the Wildcats, and um, I spoke to Aaron Nell about um, Tyler Perry, the goalie, and I just asked him about Reed and Jay, and he thought it was a good idea for them to come and get some some exposure in D1. Um, so yeah, we've got a good relationship with Swindon and hopefully they won't be the last that are coming through and, and if they don't get picked up by the Wildcats then obviously we'd like to keep them here. And looking at this season as a whole, lately it's been a decent run of form. What's been the, the helping point for that? Uh, it's just time, I think. It's time in the league. It's time on the ice uh, and getting the guys together, just gelling them um, and getting them into the systems um, and for some of them, getting them used to senior hockey. They've never... You know, some of them it's their first season, and or even their second season, or maybe their first season in D one. You know, they might have played a couple of D two seasons, and that's that. But um, I think it's just been given that time of development, and it is quite exciting now with some of them that they are try they are showing that they're very very capable in in Division one, and um, yeah, hopefully that keeps going now and then t through to the see out the end of the season. We're still not giving up on a playoff place. Um, we're just going to keep fighting for that until it's gone uh, or we get it and it'll probably come down to the last game uh, or the last two games um, and then hopefully then we carry that on into the summer and we, they'll be even better like next season then and obviously you mentioned there's still a couple of games left there's been a few Devils fans turning up I know my old man's one of them Yeah, uh, he'll kill me if I don't mention this a couple of guys standing in the back of block nine behind the benches a few weeks ago I got a, a message from the GM Mikey, you have a picture of all of them with their shirts off, including my old man. Uh, how how much fun has that been having Devils fans turn up and actually, you know, making noise, not just turn up just to watch game of hockey, but turn up and actually supporting the team? It's great. It's really good. Um, the first game um, I noticed them was was a, a Fire 2 game and I was on the bench 
and they were losing quite heavily and they, they were just singing, singing, singing all the way through. Um, they had a great night and then um, we saw them then at the next couple of days. The, the boys absolutely love it. You know, they call them the ultras um, because they are, they're so vocal, they're so loud and I think even, you know, the visiting teams kind of have a shock when, uh, when they hear them. But yeah, they're great, really good. Uh, one thing to mention as well, obviously, a couple of weeks ago, bit of a weird road trip through Invicta. Uh, yeah. Very, very short bench. I wrote about it with uh, Cedric. Yeah. Never played goalie before, stepping in net to replace Ben Scanlon. Bit of an odd one, but also kind of sums up the character of the team, the fact that he's willing to you know, put the pads on for the first time and give it a go just to try and help the team out a little bit. Well, he, he Cedric actually injured the goalie in warm-up. Um, so Ben, you know, Ben is only 17 as well. And um, <clears throat> we got four goalies in the club, um, obviously for for the both teams, and three of them are injured at the moment. Um, so we only had Ben. We couldn't get a backup, uh, emergency backup on loan or anything. So we we went with, you know, no one's going to travel to Invicta just to sit on the bench. And Ben was going to start that game anyway. And um, Cedric had taken a a shot where Ben was skating out of the net and he wasn't expecting it, caught the uh, end, edge of his wrist. Um, ben played the first period, uh, but you could tell he was struggling. Um, so yeah, um, Cedric offered to go in because he was the one who, who, who'd injured Ben in warm-up, but he did well, he, he did, you know, he did great. And uh, we got the game through because, I mean, what we could have done is, um, there's a rule within the IJ that if the goalie gets injured, that you can you can actually borrow a goalie and the game is played as a challenge game. So obviously fans that have paid their money still get to see the game, but with their goalie. But obviously with it with it being their goalie, it doesn't count as a league game. And neither of us wanted that. Um, and with Ben being injured, we were six nil down at the end of the first period. So our view was that rather than let all those supporters that have come and paid their money to Invicta and watch the period. Uh, just to to finish the game really and uh, we did put it to the boys we said look you know the next two periods can be played as a, a challenge and then we'll, we'll put their backup in uh, and the boys said no they wanted to play the game as the team you know uh, as us and, and have it count and whatever the score will be it'll be um, but yeah it's it's one of those ones I've it's happened before um, only once we're away in Romford <clears throat> where Ross Wilkinson ended up going in goals um, but yeah, that's only in what thirty odd years of hockey. That's the it's only happened to me twice. So yeah, I, I definitely won't be going anywhere without a backup anymore. <laughs> and then obviously, last question now. Obviously, season's coming down to an end. Like you said, still in the playoffs. Well, yeah. four games left, I believe. Yeah. Is it? Um, um, yeah, three home, one away. Yeah. How is it looking for the next few games? <clears throat> um, well. We got a weekend off this weekend. It's our first one, I think, of the season um, for Fire One. Um, Fire Two are away on Sunday uh, in Swindon. Um, we the following weekend then is absolutely crucial for us because we've got Oxford away, who we've we've beaten twice but lost two once, uh, and we've got Milton Keynes at home, um, which I think is a Saturday, uh, who we've beaten three times. So it's the last time we play them. So they're they're. Saturday's a must win. Sunday, we really want to win that game as well. Um, and then it's it's down to the last two then. And 
we've got uh, Slough at home, which is definitely winnable. Um, uh, but then we've got Streatham at home as well, uh, which you know they're flying at the moment. But we need to we need to win all four and hope Oxford don't win any more, um, and then that'll push us in on the head to head over Oxford, and then we play what looks like Streatham or Solent then in in the quarterfinals. Awesome. Well, best luck for the rest of the season. Thanks for joining me as well. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. So yeah, that was my uh, sit-down chat the other day with Mark Cuddy of the Cardiff Fire. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, that interview. If you're in the Cardiff area as well, they got a couple of home games left. they got two teams, uh, Fire 1 and Fire 2, I think. Uh, Fire 2 are home a couple of times. I know the Cardiff Fire 1 team are at home three more times this season as they're trying to push for a playoff spot uh, as long as they're in the race. So uh, definitely go down and check them out if you're a Devils fan looking for something to do when the Devils aren't in town, uh, especially if you're, they're playing a game, a game against a team like Nottingham or Glasgow maybe who don't have a stream and you can't really bother just sit at home with refreshing Twitter and watching crappy weekend TV. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely worth going down because they are a good group of guys. Um, Kurtz is a really good... Uh, Really good coach, really good guy. And some of the, t the talent they got coming through, some of the youngsters, really definitely worth checking out. So if you're in the Cardiff area and you are able to capture one of the games, I definitely uh, recommend you do so. Um, no more points I can think of to discuss in terms of this weekend's action with the Devils. Um, so we'll just go to Twitter now because, I, uh, like I said at the start, I asked... Um, on the last couple of episodes now I've asked for a few questions just to answer just so I want to get what you want me to talk about really rather than just give you what I want to talk about um so we'll go to Twitter there's quite a few questions some really good ones uh this weekend if you want to get involved uh, in the next podcast and ask any questions just get involved on Twitter uh, you can either send it directly to me either via DM or I think my DMs are open to anyone um or just send me a tweet uh it's at Oliver J Hampson or the official podcast one is at Hampson Hockey on Twitter so uh first up we'll go to the first uh questions from Ross Dawson in fact there's two questions on this one uh first one what's your thoughts on scratching Mark Lewis and what do you think the reasons are behind it um I think the they're trying to just get some stability in the lineup um I think the Lewis and McMonagall had a solid partnership brewing uh, well, not Bruins, I think they just had a solid partnership, but I think going against some teams, you kind of need a bit more speed. I don't think the Lewis McMonagall line has the, uh, well, the pairing has the, the best amount of speed uh, with it. So I think injecting Reddick into that, it really does add a little bit more pace to that. But I think um, I think a lot of it as well, just resting guys at this time of year, because you, you kind of want to keep guys healthy, especially because the Devils this season, this season injury-wise has not been fun. You think about it, Mosey's just returned, Langley's out right now, I don't exactly know what is wrong with him. Uh, Joey Martin's been out for number time, Blair Riley's missed time, Mike McNamee's missed time. I think a lot of it is man management right now, just making sure that um, guys are rested and ready to go for the playoffs and down the stretch as the Devils are trying to get this league title. It's not the first time the Lewis has been scratched this season either, I think uh, the Belfast doubleheader, I think he was scratched for the second game. Um, but I think after the performance the night before, anyone could have been scratched. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it's difficult. I, I don't think there's really anything negative behind it. I think it is just basically just making sure that he's resting and just trying to get a different look defensively to try and counter some teams who are playing with uh, a lot higher power offense. And like I said earlier on, um, I think tonight would be a good night to get him back in the lineup against Nottingham because they do crash on it hard. They really, really drive to the crease. They're going to be causing a lot of issues for Ben Bounds and you kind of need a guy uh, who's probably got about a foot on, right, on Bryce Reddick to be able to clear the crease. Not that Bryce Reddick can't do that, like I said, but I think um, I think that Lewis should be back soon. I don't think he's going to be out for too long. Uh, second question from Ross was, Mosey's on fire since returning. 
How do you think this season would have played out if he was fit for the entirety of it? And do you prefer him on the front or back line? Um, I think with this team, I'll start with the second point first. I think with this team, the defense is is fine as it is. You know, you've got Fournier and Richardson have been a great pairing all year. Uh, since Morrison's come in, him and Jardine have just been possibly the best pairing at times. And then uh, McMonagall and Lewis or McMonagall and Reddick. I think um, Mosey, he's a great defenseman. He would fit in on that defensive unit, but I don't think there's any reason to uh, disrupt that. So I prefer him as a forward right now. Um, but if he was healthy for the entire season, that's a difficult one. He's the type of guy like he, he's obviously he's been around the locker room all year all year round. It's not like he's not been here, but he's not on a bench with the guys during games. He's a very loose character. He he likes to have a laugh and have a joke. He's a really really fun guy uh, to be around. So I think on the bench he could have added a bit more calmness, especially in uh, situations where things weren't going well. Because uh, for me he he's been up on a gantry with us most of the season now, um, and he still has that sort of infectious laughter a lot of um you know he, he he doesn't seem to be rattled too much he seems to be able to keep his head a lot there's only a couple of times this season that when the devils weren't playing well he looked uh, as angry as they did on the bench so i think that he, that would have really helped the team just having his presence on the bench during games and i think as well you look at it, four points in four games since coming back i think He's doing really well. I think that if he was healthy for the entire season, he would have had probably one of his best years of hockey. And I think, I'll go out and say, I think that if he was healthy, he would have added a, a couple more goals, um, obviously, because he's not just going to just wait until now to score goals. But he would have added a few more goals to the team. And I think in certain games where there's one or two things that went against the Devils, which meant that they end up losing the game, I think he could have made the difference. And I think if if Mosey had been healthy for the entire year, what I'm basically what I'm trying to say, if he'd been healthy for the entire year, right now the Devils, I think, would be in first place by a couple of points. Um, so I think that's um, that's what he would have brought if he'd been healthy all year. I'm hoping that he's back for next year. I think that... I don't... I'm just going to say this now. I don't know who's back next year. I don't know who's been off a of contrast. I don't know if anyone's on two-year deals or anything like that. But to me... I would like to think you don't keep a guy around for the, just to play him from late February onwards just to go, yeah, that's it, you're done. I, I would imagine he's he's probably back next year, and I hope he is. Um, yeah, we'll move on. Next question uh, is from Crazy Fingers on Twitter. I actually don't know uh, the real name, so I'm just going to have to go with Crazy Fingers. Uh, top five imports you'd re-sign for next season right now if you could. Uh, I'm assuming this is just Devils related, so we'll go with that. Obviously... The obvious choice Joey had had, nearing 30 goals. I think, I think only one devil since Angelo took over as coach has scored 30 goals in a league campaign. That was Joey Martin last year. Uh, Joey had adds on 28 coming into this weekend. He's going to hit 30, let's be honest. Um, and also just his puck retention skills are the best I've ever seen. Um, so he's, he's clearly probably top of everyone's re-sign list this year. Uh, Joey Martin as well can't really do what do wrong with re-signing your captain and who neil francis and quite rightly so uh calls the greatest of all time uh so i think joey martin would probably be back next year anyway but he is definitely one of the first ones i would sign um i've made no secret of how much i love this guy sam jardine uh 26 27 years old still got a lot to, a lot of ways to go in his career so i think that if you can get him back you can really mold him into the type of defenseman that you want him to be 
Um, I think that he is he's going to add a lot to uh, this team. So uh, he would definitely be one. Uh, Evan Mosey, like I said in the last question, I'm imagining that he's going to be back and I would 100% have him back because give him a full season, uh, give him the off-season as well to keep rehabbing his injury. Because that's the thing, I, I, I think I read... Did I read some of the... He's not exactly 100%. He's playing like he's 110%. So uh, if he's still got a bit a bit of ways to go in his rehab, then I am really excited to see what he's uh, going to bring next season. Obviously, that's four. The fifth one is difficult because there there are guys that, you know, mo- there's a lot of people who would probably re-sign some guys straight away. Guys like Mike McNamee, who I would love to have back. Um, you know, Matt Pope as well, Blair Riley. Um, and this is no disrespect to any of the other imports, but the fifth one for me... Uh, even though he is suspended right now, Stephen Dixon. I, I think that he's the type of guy that he can win you hockey games because if you have good face-off work, you can win a lot of games that way. Uh, he can really control the dot. He's one of the best face-off guys in the league. Uh, he tries blocking shots with his head against Belfast as well, which if you're a junior player and you're listening to this, don't try that. Uh, leave that for Stephen Dixon to do. Don't try it yourself because uh, if it goes wrong, it's probably not going to be that pleasant. Um, but that's just the type of player he is, I guess. I don't know. I, in fact, is saying a guy, is saying that, that he's that type of player who block a shot with his head actually disrespectful? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I would 100% have, it, have him back. He's He excels in the dot. Such a physical player when he's not drilling in what is into the boards by the numbers, head first. Uh, but yeah, he's he's... I think over the last two seasons, Devils fans have fallen in love with him. Uh, and also, he's got insane hair. And the day that that starts falling out, I am going to cry. So, Stephen Dixon, if you're listening, please get, what is it, that Alpacil or whatever? Just get some caffeine-infused shampoo because you cannot lose your hair. Same with you, Tom Dracus, if you're listening. Uh, next one, we'll go to Sue Hampson. Shout out to my mum. Clearly, she's not been doing work this week because she sent in three questions. So, if you're a boss and you're listening to this... Might want to have a word. She's sending three questions. It's a bit uh, unproductive from you, mum. But yeah, first one. Uh, of all the EIHL players this season, who would make your dream team and why? Um, that's an interesting one. Um, who would make my dream team? All right, I'm, I'm not going to include any Devils players in this. Just to make it a bit more interesting. Um, dream team. Goldie. Oh, this is tough. There's two names straightway jumping out at me for goalie. Um, Kevin Carr from Nottingham. I think he's been absolutely phenomenal this season. But I think, cause considering the impact this guy... Yeah, I'm going to go with this guy. Considering the impact that this guy has had on his team since they signed him, obviously you know I'm talking about CJ Mott of the Coventry Blaze. Uh, there's no... You can't tell me this just coincidence that they signed him and then he stopped, you know basically being the most informed team in the league. He's had a lot to do with that. He's been absolutely uh, phenomenal for them. I absolutely love the way that he uh, goes about his business for the Coventry Blaze. It's it's going to be weird, though, because obviously playoff weekend's coming up, so that means the Elite League Awards are coming up. Has he joined too late to be in the mix for goal, goal of the year? Um, I would definitely say that if he played a full season, he would be up there. Um, for me, goal of the year is probably going to come down to Probably Kevin Carr, Shane Owen. I'd like to have Matt Ginn involved in there as well. But yeah, um, going off topic, Goldie would be um, yeah, Goldie would be CJ Mark. Uh, defensively, like I said, not going to go with any Devils players. Otherwise, it would have been Sam Jardine and Sam Jardine. I'd have him twice. Um, but yeah, defensively, pff, I really, really like Kevin Rain of Belfast. Um, he plays just complete no-nonsense hockey. 
goes about his business so well. Uh, like Dixon, great hair. I, uh, any, I think I had a tweet when I was doing Carter Fire commentary that I was a bit too obsessed with players' hair because a couple of years ago I was doing a Swindon Wildcats Carter Fire game and Swindon, fair play to them. They had some great hair and I kept going on about it and I had a few tweets from their fans. So, um, yeah, I, as you can tell, I like hair. I think it's probably jealousy though because mine's falling out. Thanks, Dad. Um, but yeah, Kevin Rain. I'd probably join him on defense. Again, this is tough. This is, this is a really tough question. Thanks, man. Probably go with Mark Trinchinski of the Sheffield Steelers. Uh, just because I really think he's a very talented guy. Uh, he's a big body as well, so he can play physical, but I think he's one of the few defensemen who's a point per game this season. Uh, again, a guy who came in after a couple of weeks of the season started and just made an immediate impact. So uh, I'd say Mark Trinchinski uh, would join Kevin Rain. So my defensive th trio, because you could even say defensive trio, because CJ Ma, I've noticed he's a great stick handler, especially for a goaltender. He's absolutely great at that. He can be a third defenseman. Uh, so yeah, so CJ Mark, Kevin Rain, and uh, Mark Trinchinski for me. Going forward, obviously, um, going to have to be Sam Hare on one of the wings because you don't lead the league and not make this team. Um, going down the middle, Brendan Conley would be a good one. I Say what you will about Brendan Conley. He's he's an exciting player to watch. He, he's an annoying player to watch, but he's an exciting player to watch. But would I want him on my team with Sam Hare? Um, we'll come back to Senegal. Let's go to the other wing. Um Probably go with Anthony DeLuca from Sheffield. I, I really, actually, may be able to tell from this. I, I really like Sheffield this year. I think Anthony DeLuca uh, would be a great one. Uh, also, he's on my mind because I just wrote about him for something that you'll see at the transcript final, um, if it makes it in. So yeah, Anthony DeLuca would be uh, my winger along with Sam Hur down the middle. Ooh, Cruz Reddick from Guildford. Really, really like Cruz Reddick. Um, I'd have him down the center. So, yeah, that's my five if you're not including uh, Devils players. Um, next question from my skiving mother. When does a penalty shot become a penalty shot? Lots of fans scream for it. It appears the players ha had a clear scoring opportunity, but it's not given. Um, I'm not exactly the rules guy, uh, but I actually printed out the rules because I read this question first. Uh, IIHF rule 171. If an attacking skater is on a breakaway and is fouled by an opponent from behind or by the op opposing goaltender, the skater will be awarded a penalty shot. There's a lot more. I'll link to the um, to the actual IHF rulebook down below, and I'll also link to the EIHL gamebook, which I know uh, guys like Luke Fisher spend a lot of time building for you fans. So uh, next time you next time you have a contentious issue, just go on the Elite website, look for the gamebook, open it up, control find read about it before asking the question on Twitter because it's it's there for you fans. So I'll link to that below just so you can see the exact um, wording of it. I think for me, there's lots of variations though um, because like it says that it has to be a clear breakaway. If there's any chance that the defending player can outmuscle you, you're not on a breakaway. So I think I think I know what you're referring to there because I have seen a few where you can see fans thinking, oh, it's a penalty shot, but... It's not a clear breakaway. It's only like a partial breakaway. He's taken. He's gone wide. The defenseman looks so he's further behind. But if he cuts to the middle, he's actually going to make contact with the defenseman. So I think, yeah, it, it's a difficult one. I'm not the rules guy. Um, I am actually planning on sitting down with a linesman soon. Um, as soon as I pull my finger out and actually arrange it. Um, so maybe that's one I'll I'll ask uh, an official at some some point. Um, 
Last one from Mother. Who is your all-time favorite ice hockey player? Any country, any league, and why? And would you trade your cat for them to play for the Devils? Clearly, she knows my cat is like my child. Um, so first, I'll answer the second part. Oz would not be traded at all. I wouldn't trade that cat. Uh, the dog and the other cat, I'm up for the discussion. There's, <laughs> I kind of want to give more than one answer on this one. A favorite player for the Devils right now is probably Joey Haddad. Um, even though I absolutely love Sam Jardine, my favorite player for the Devils right now is probably Joey Haddad. Growing up, my favorite player for the Devils, though, was probably uh, Steve Murray was definitely one of them. Um, I really like Russ Romanek as well. I think I, I actually wanted to wear number 17 in juniors because of Russ Romanek. I can't even remember why I, I wanted to. I think it was because I had like a, a puck sponsorship with him once and he was just nice and I just wanted to be Russ Romanek, even though I was a defenseman. Um, growing up, actually, no, growing up, probably he's Jeff McGoin. Um, he was my junior coach. He was just a really good mentor on and off the ice. He came to my school once and gave, uh, like a, I can't, I wouldn't know, don't know exactly what you call it, but he basically, it was him and Kurt Walsh came to my primary school and they were just talking about like, uh, their careers, their lives in Canada and how things have, uh, led to them being in, in Cardiff and basically, basically telling us about nutrition, how to keep yourself in shape and also just reminding people that, yeah, you may want to be a sports person, but focus on your education as well so um yeah jeff begoyne he was just a really really nice guy he was uh one of them um for me he's just a really great guy of hockey and in life in general um if you're gonna look uh any country etc like any league just going to the nhl favorite player growing up in the nhl was probably paul Korea, and i was so happy that he got his hall of fame nod um he was definitely my favorite player growing up in the nhl and nowadays Favorite NHL player, probably, and this is probably going to please the Devils owners. This is a good test to see if they actually listen to this podcast. Um, Matthew Kachuk of the Calgary Flames. I, I like that type of player. I like a player who's not afraid to, you know, be a bit of a pest, be a bit of a rat. But then you look at him. How many how many highlight how many highlight real goals have Matthew Kachuk scored this season? He's a he's the type of guy that he, he's a fun player to watch. He, he's a worth the price of admission alone and then i'll just add an extra one in just because i want to show off a bit of knowledge uh favorite young player coming through the nhl probably quinn hughes uh the vancouver Knights, probably my pick for the calder rookie of the year um but yeah quinn hughes but yeah that's it from um, next up we'll go to elliot thomas uh if you could sign one current nhl for the devils who would you pick um all of them i'd sign anyone from the nhl uh if you're looking at the type of player, like, if you're going to answer the question from which NHL player who, I'm trying to think of the best way to word it, um, if you were to model a player who wasn't in the NHL, I'd probably go with, again, Matthew Kachuk, because I, I like that type of player. I think he would go down really well with the Devils fan base well, being that bit of a rat, being that pest, but who can also score some fantastic goals. Sort of like a Brendan Connolly in a way. You you hate him if you're playing against him. You love him if you're not. Um but if you're gonna think, um, if you're gonna think more along the lines of who in the NHL right now could come over, sort of like a Tyson Strachan, Sean Morrison, or like guys previously, um, Cam Janssen, Chris Stewart, Patrick Bordelow, um, you're gonna be looking for guys over thirty who kind of they haven't really been solid NHLers like forever as much as 
in the sense of they haven't been earning big money. They've just been sort of like that bottom pairing defenseman, third, fourth liner, not earning the most money, being up and down a little bit, or guys who are like currently up and down in the AHL. Um, it's, it's a difficult one to really pick because you can't predict what they're going to do. You're going to be looking for guys who maybe you think are tired of the long trips in the AHL, maybe want to have a bit of a uh, easier ride of it or even come over here for the university courses. Maybe guys like Nate Prosser, who used to play for Minnesota. Uh, I think he's spent all of this season in the AHL, I think. Um, Ryan Stanton as well. There's a, that's a difficult one, really, because um, the obvious answer is anyone in the NHL... I would uh, take anyone, absolutely anyone who's in the NHL right now, because they're probably going to be good. But I think you're more looking at guys like Prosser and Stanton for older guys who could come over, but those who probably won't. Um, yeah, last two questions, and uh, they're going to be focusing on the league. Firstly, from fellow Chasing the Puck writer Jack. Uh, he covers Dundee for us. Actually, check out one of his latest pieces. It was basically a breakdown of their game against uh, Five, I think it was. I should know, because I reddit um his question though do you think todd dutm is too safe in fife seems as though the job is his as long as he wants it should that be called into question with a possible 10th place finish looming uh short answer yes it should uh any other sport it probably would mean that his job's very very precarious right now but in a league like this i i can understand why it's not um, obviously, I'm not from Fife. I don't know the ins and outs of Fife's budget, so I don't know whether or not they could afford to lose him and hire someone mid-season. Um, but I think for Fife, they've had really good moments. They haven't had consistency at all this year. Um, they obviously had that awful losing streak as well. Um, yeah, I think that, like I said, any other sport, any other league, you're looking at a coach losing his job over this. I personally think... It's probably going to be a bit more patient with him. It's probably a case of, right, rebuild in the summer, go again. And we'll see how you do. I think when he does go, you're probably more looking at um, similar situations to what Glasgow have done with Zach Fitzgerald. It's probably going to be a guy who's in the lineup who comes in and either just takes over player coaching role or takes over as the head coach. Um, yeah, I, it's a difficult one because Dutes is a really nice guy. I've interviewed him a couple of times. He is a really, really nice guy. You can tell he really cares about this team, but that that shouldn't be the reason why you keep your job, in a sense. Um, I don't want him to, to go, because I think that he can do something special there. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine that it's going to be... Yeah, I, I'd imagine he's there next year, and after that, who knows. But I think, it's like I said, it, it's difficult to know because you would think during that losing streak, that's that's the type of thing that in like football, for example, coaches gonna coaches are being sacked over that. But in a league like this, budgets and all that, you look at how many teams actually make coaching changes, how many big teams do that. I mean, look at Sheffield last year. They have, they, well, like I said, I don't know the ins and outs of their budget, but I would assume if they have the money to be able to make a coaching change like that. Whereas you look at Milton Keynes when Doug McKay uh, was released in a fun uh way that was a fun little situation last year um he's replaced by ryan lannan and tim wallace they were already in the club that's not the ideal scenario that a club wants to go they they kind of want to bring in a head coach for the future they don't want to be going right okay you two have coached a little bit can you run our team for us um so yeah outside of five i would i would expect his role to be called into question um but i don't see him going anywhere uh, last question then 
from Stephen, another chasing the puck right, a guy who's been banging out uh, interviews with Nottingham Panthers players. Uh, really joined it. He hadn't been writing for us that long. He's come in with a lot of passion. So definitely check out some of his interviews. He's got, uh, I think, one or two more coming. Uh, I think he's arranged uh, another one. So he, he's working hard. Uh, his question, though, how do you pronounce, and he actually included the player's name here. Um, how do you pronounce the new Panthers player's name? Um, if you don't know who I'm, who I'm on about, US number 43, his, name, his first name's Matthew. Um, the reason why he's asked this question is because I asked, him how you answer it and we're just like i'm so glad that i don't have to do a panthers game uh, on commentary because i would butcher that name uh i'm gonna give it a go matthew tucinant maybe i don't know um i'm not the best with names and i even like when he first signed i think i checked elite prospects because i've got that account where you can listen to how they pronounce it and there's no pronunciation on it at least when i checked there wasn't so um who knows like i said just glad i don't have to call a game with him involved because that would be more embarrassing than the time that the panthers played and i kept saying william quist even though he didn't play for them at the time uh, and he doesn't now i think he'd been released like two weeks before and i kept going i think like was it him and adam deutsch i kept getting confused with and i didn't even know why yeah, anyway, I kept saying William Quist, I didn't even know why I was doing it. But yeah, so Matthew Toussaint. If you're listening, and you're that, you're him, um, you look terrifying, so please forgive me and don't hit me. Um, but yeah, that is going to wrap things up for what has probably been the longest episode of the Hampson and Hockey Podcast, episode 22 of the Hampson and Hockey Podcast, as always, presented by ChasingThePuck.com. Hopefully, uh, you enjoyed the interview we had earlier on with Mark Cuddy. Hopefully, you've enjoyed uh, listening to me answer some of your questions. Like I said, if you want to get involved and answer, uh, answer, ask any questions of your own, just send them over on Twitter, at Oliver J. Hampson, or at Hampson Hockey. Uh, I'm always willing to answer any questions, um, hockey-related, usually. Um, if you ask me anything mathematical, any maths questions or science questions you just make me look dumb so just keep them hockey related uh, or pronunciation related because that's always fun to hear me butcher names but yeah like I said that's going to wrap things up hopefully you've enjoyed this episode uh, next week obviously Challenge Cup final week so going to probably going to focus a lot on that maybe trying to sort out some interviews maybe I'm going to be a busy boy then over the next couple of days uh, just try and get a bit of a Challenge Cup preview uh, together so hopefully you've enjoyed it I will speak to you again about the Challenge Cup final next week